Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, hello and welcome. This is Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. If you are new to the show, I'm your host, Evan Grote, and you can find me on Twitter at egro 5 I do also have a website dedicated directly to the podcast. You can find that at JustPodBaby.com. I'm also a segment producer uh, at SportsNot.com. If you're a fan of sports other than NFL football, then you're going to love what we have going on over at SportsNot. You can check that out. We cover all of the sports, MLB, NHL, NBA, and of course, plenty of NFL draft coverage for you over there as well. If you don't already subscribe to the uh, to the podcast, please click the button now. Click the subscribe button, whether that is through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It does not matter. You can find me on all the different platforms. You know, some of you might be tuning in for the first time right now, and, and if that is the case, and, and you like what you hear, you like the show, then subscribe and become a part of the uh, Just Pod Baby family. We are now. Less than uh, one week away from the start of the NFL draft. And and at this point next week, we will have plenty to talk about, plenty to dive into. The plan for next week, I do have some programming notes here for you. When the draft starts on Thursday, because it starts on Thursday, I should say, um, I've been putting out the new shows, as you know, on Friday nights. So what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to hold off on a new show until until Saturday evening or maybe even Sunday until the draft is complete. And then we can discuss everything in its entirety uh, with all of my recap and, and, and my opinions and, you know, and my insights on the draft. But what I am going to be doing on Thursday night is after the pick is made, I will record, you know, some instant reaction, an instant, a quick little, you know, a brief instant reaction show. And I'll get that up. You know, I'll get it up and out to you guys um, as soon as I possibly can. But be on the lookout for that. Uh, after the Raiders pick is made, uh, I'll get you some of my instant reaction thoughts on that. And then for whatever reason, if they happen to trade back up into the first round and they make another pick uh, on Thursday night, I will do the same for the second pick as well. But, but count on me uh, doing that next week. The rundown in the plan for the show this week, we are going to have a little fun this week. We're going to try something new. I've never done this on the show before, but I'm going to do a simulated mock draft on the air for you. Just a quick five-round mock draft using uh, fanspeak.com, that site. I've always been a fan of that site. I know there's so many other draft simulators out there, uh, Pro Football Focus, Draft Network. I think ESPN even has ones now. I've always been loyal to the the fanspeak.com site, so I'm going to be making the picks for the Raiders I gave you the list of my top five uh, needs last week on the on the show, and tonight I will be making the picks for the Raiders, and, and you can let me know what you think of my draft. You can send me a direct message on Twitter. Um, I'm also planning to possibly write up a story or a blog for the JustPodBaby.com website, and you can feel free to leave me comments there on the website. Send me an email through the contact page. I want to hear from you guys with your thoughts on how I do with this five-round mock draft. And then in segment two of the show, um, I'm, I'm excited. We got a, we got a, another guest this week. We're going to be chatting with Eric Edholm, who is the lead draft writer for NFL.com. He has his top 100 prospect list up on NFL.com right now. He's been making all of the rounds. I've seen him uh, making you know many stops at various podcasts uh, on his Twitter. So uh, I'm excited to chat with him and pick his brain a little bit about how he sees this draft playing out here next week. All right, then. With all that being said, let's jump right into this mock draft because this is this could uh, this could take some time here, um, and I want to get right to it. So, 
Um, I am on the clock here. I've started the simulator. I'm on the clock. No trades in this mock draft, of course. But if this was a real-life draft, um, then based on how the top six picks have played out, this would be a position that I would be tempted to maybe entertain the possibility of, of trading out here. Let me quickly recap the first six picks for you so you know what's going on here. The top pick was Bryce Young. Um, and I do believe that um, everything we've been hearing now, it does sound like 100% sure Bryce Young will be the pick to the Panthers. The second pick in this mock draft went to C.J. Stroud and uh, going to the Texans, despite the rumors now that we've been hearing that it's possible the Texans are a little bit higher on Will Levis rather than C.J. Stroud. Number three, the Arizona Cardinals selected Will Anderson. And I, I do believe if the Cardinals stay at pick three, it will be a defensive player. I still think uh, they end up getting out of that number three spot, perhaps to a team who wants to draft an Anthony Richardson or maybe even a C.J. Stroud if he does fall. That would be a prime spot for the Raiders to slide in there if they want to um, get involved in the quarterback business. Pick number four uh, is the Colts. They get their quarterback by selecting Anthony Richardson. And then we have two Georgia players going back-to-back with Nolan Smith going number five to Seattle and then Jalen Carter going number six to the Lions. I could see these two players being flip-flopped in real life. Um, But either way, um, I I think you could also maybe insert Tyree Wilson, uh, the edge rusher. Uh, He could be a player that could sneak into that top six as well uh, for either one of those teams. But I I think the fan speak simulator did a pretty accurate job in this case. And and, and that brings me to my first pick here. Um, I'm a little conflicted here, I I must admit. Um, I've been pretty consistent with, with Will Levis all throughout this process. He still is on the board. And, uh, you know, I've said all along that I would not trade up for Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. And and the way things have played out here, I, I don't have to trade up and I could still get, you know, Will Levis. Um, he is the third quarterback on my list. Um, but if you've listened to the show last week, I did not list quarterback in my top five needs. Um, Long-term, yes, they need a solution. But for the time being, I I get the vibe that Josh McDaniels is comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo as his starter this year and maybe even another year after that. So, you know, that tells me that maybe the the emphasis is, is shifting towards building a defense. Now, my biggest concern here with passing on the quarterback is that how often do you have an opportunity to draft inside the top seven? There's no guarantee that that will be the case next year. And if not Levis here at seven, then what is the plan long-term at quarterback? I think those would be the questions that would have to be answered. But when I look at the makeup of the roster, there is glaring weaknesses on defense and 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 you know, Las Vegas has to walk away from this draft with at least two starters on defense, maybe even a third starter on defense. Um, and, and and I think you can accomplish two things here with this pick. You can go best player available, according to way, the way I see it, and checking off a major need at the same time. So I'm going to go defense here. Um, I'm going to go with the cornerback. Uh, I know there is a lot of momentum right now with with Devin Witherspoon, our our guest last week, Brent uh, Sobleski from Bleacher Report. He has Witherspoon as his cornerback number one. I still prefer Christian Gonzalez. Uh, I like my cornerbacks to have a little bit more length. He has those measurables. He he he, you know, he's a bit faster. He's taller. He's got longer uh, arms. He's he's a little bit heavier. Um, I just prefer that combination with my cornerbacks. I know he needs to clean up a little bit in zone coverage, but excellent in man-to-man coverage. And, and from what I have read, uh, he's a guy who loves to work and just kind of has that blue-collar, hard worker, that kind of mentality. So um, I'm going to make Christian Gonzalez the pick here at 7 for the Raiders. I would have also been fine taking Will Levis here. I could totally, you know see that being the pick and I would I think that would make perfect sense as well um but I I, I am I am gonna go with uh Christian Gonzalez here in round number one so um I'm, I I've submitted the pick and the simulator is now running um we're, we're gonna 
work our way now into uh, round two. And, and now that I've checked off that that major need at cornerback, uh, defense has a starter, a, hopefully a playmaker, someone that, that they can build around for years to come. Um, I was able to do that, you know, staying true to my my board, my my top ranked prospects, and and I was able to get a player that I I, I like very much in this class. Um, now that I sit here in round two, pick thirty eight overall, um, there is a couple of guys on the board as I as I scroll through here that that I like. Now I I, I could go offense. Um, you know, tight end, I mentioned that is one of my needs. I think it's probably a little bit early for a tight end here, especially when you think about the depth in the class. I see Darnell Washington from Georgia is still available. I like the upside that, you know, he has uh, with that tremendous size and the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo, he really likes to work and attack the, the short and intermediate parts of the field, uh, the middle of the field. A, a target like Darnell Washington could be huge. Um, but again, I go back to the depth in the position and I think it would be wise to pass for now. I see a right tackle that I've, I've talked about a lot. Dewan Jones, he's still available. Um, I do think pick 38 might be a little bit of a reach for him there. Um, perhaps if I was picking at the end of round two, I would feel more comfortable, uh, there, but I, I think at pick 38 here, again, I mentioned needing to pick up a couple starters, on defense, um, I, I see a guy here who, you know, I'm not sure if he'll be available here in, in in real life next week, but he's available here. And I have read a couple different mock drafts, and I've seen some different rankings where he, you know, was going in round two. So I, I do think it's possible. I'm going to add a linebacker here, uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas. You know, he... I believe he's viewed as the top linebacker by most draft experts, and he's a playmaker. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything. And really, you know, he really emerged this year, his his only year at Arkansas. Uh, he he became a force off the edge for them, nine and a half sacks. Um, and, you know, don't forget, this guy, um, he's a former five-star recruit as well. Spent two years at Alabama. So, I mean, you know, this kid can play. If you're going to Alabama, you can play. He is, he's a bit tall, 6'4", Mike Linebacker, 235 pounds. So I think he's got some room to even grow there if you want him to bulk up a bit because of that frame. Um, he does not have blazing speed like we've seen from other top linebackers like Micah Parsons, um, you know, who ran the 4'3'8". This guy's not going to blow you away with that kind of speed. Um, but he does play with a, you know, a motor that's red hot, uh, plays hard. And I, I think, you know, the versatility that he offers, you could use him off the edge kind of, again, kind of like how the Cowboys do use Parsons, maybe not that much, but you know, he could be utilized in, in, that way as well. I, I do think one area of his game that needs to be cleaned up is his tackling, um, so I, I do have some stuff here in my notes. Um, missed a lot of tackles. Um, was doing some research on him. Um, missed 22 tackles, I think, from uh, I saw on, actually, I know, <laughs> I saw on Pro Football Focus. Um, so that's that's not good from your starting uh, middle linebacker. You want to see him become more of a, a sure tackler. Uh, but I think that's something that he can improve upon when he gets into the NFL. So Drew Sanders, linebacker from Arkansas, is the pick in round two. It's been submitted. Um, I'm moving in here now to round three as the simulator gets caught up. Um, I have now added what I believe to be two starters, immediate starters, on defense. Two two positions as well that the Raiders have not had you know reliable guys for a long time cornerback and linebacker uh so I, I think i get that done there in round one and two so i'm feeling pretty good about things right now um i haven't had to reach on anyone i don't think i've gotten good value to this point and as we uh get here to our next pick um i've got two picks here in round three as you know the raiders pick 70th overall as well as pick 100 and um you know, this is a big round for the Raiders, a chance to, you know, maybe grab two more starters. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry if I'm sounding distracted here, but I am, 
scrolling through the list here, um, you know, this could be a spot where maybe you want to go looking for a developmental quarterback. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker would be in a real life situation would be a guy that if he fell to the third round, which, you know, I guess some people are suggesting maybe he could even sneak into round one, but he did go in round two of this mock draft. So he's not available. Um, he would be someone that I would consider at, at this pick, uh, pick 70 overall he's gone. But so what I'm looking at here is, you know, checking off another one of those needs from my, from my list. And I don't think it's, necessarily reaching you know I heard Dave Ziegler talking about the philosophy is to draft uh, to draft best player available and I and I think I'm doing that here um the name is just jumping off the page at me I talked about tight end in round two with Washington I'm gonna pull the trigger now and I'm gonna draft Sam Laporta the tight end from Iowa here in round three um I'm happy that I waited because I feel like I'm getting better value now um, with my tight end, not, I don't think he has the upside that a Darnell Washington does, but when I've watched the tape on this guy, I, I see a guy that, you know, he, he ran multiple routes. He ran, um, slants, short slants. I saw him catch screen passes, short out routes off of play action, um, caught passes running down the, the seam downfield, and I, I liked what I saw from him as far as his run after the catch ability. And, and, and the evidence of that is, you know, with his 40 time. So what you're seeing on film is, is matching up with the speed that you saw at the combine. He ran a 4.59. So um, he also was a team captain at Iowa. If you know me, that's something that I always em- put emphasis on is getting those high character guys. And Iowa has a pretty darn good track record of uh, producing tight ends. So I'm going to make the pick here. Sam Laporta is the pick in round three, number 70 overall. May not step in right away, year one, uh, because the Raiders do have Austin Hooper, but I think he could be a great second option, could play a lot of snaps and develop into your starter uh, next year. And I know McDaniels loves tight ends, so I think you'd be happy with this pick. Now, as I await my second pick in round three, um, what I'm what I'm thinking here is that, you know, I would love to get get um, someone in the trenches here, a defensive tackle, maybe maybe even a D end. I do see my guy Isaiah Foskey from from Notre Dame. He's gone, so that would have been someone I would have targeted here, um, or even Thule from USC. He's gone as well. Um, but I, I do I do have a few names here that I see that I'm interested in at pick 100. Um, I'm looking at Dane Brugler's top 100 list. I do see that all three names are, are ranked in the top 100, uh, by Brugler. So that tells me that I'm getting pretty good value and I'm not, I'm not reaching. So what I think I'm going to do here is, and, and some of you guys might disagree with this move because I've already grabbed Christian Gonzalez in round one and the Raiders did sign two free agent, cornerbacks, uh, David Long and and Duke Shelley. But if you look at the contracts, they're only signed for one year. So there's nothing beyond this this year. And I think the Raiders could use multiple cornerbacks. So I'm going to go ahead and make the pick here um, at 100 overall. I'm going to take Cameron Mitchell from Northwestern. And when I watched some tape on him, what I saw from the Northwestern corner um you know, I, they used him as a, uh, not often, but the tape that I watch, he was used as a blitzer off the edge at times. And I really, really liked that. Um, he can be, again, the more you can do, the more versatile you are, the better off you're going to be. And I know that's something that Dave Ziegler uh, covets his players who are versatile. He doesn't have a ton of ball production in college, but that doesn't, um, he, he, he may not have to come in right away, you know, and, and start in year one again, because they do have long junior and Shelly. Um, he could be a core special teams guy and, and, and then further his development in year one. And then number year, number two, 
if they like what they saw from him in his rookie year, then you know he could step right in and be the corner opposite of Gonzalez. And now you're talking about, you know, you've got Christian Gonzalez at one side, um, Nate Hobbs in the slot, and then Cameron Mitchell on the other side, and and that is the foundation um, in your secondary that now you could develop into a, a strength on the defense. So I like that pick there, Cameron Mitchell, 100 overall. Um, we're working our way now, um, into round four. So I've definitely have addressed the defense. I'm sure that makes a lot of you guys happy out there. Um, we're now into day three of the drafts. We're talking, you know, round four and five for this mock draft. Um, round day three is going to be a busy day for the Raiders. Several picks there starting, uh, with 107 overall. Um, I was looking at, um, in the previous round, round three, I was looking at the offensive tackle out of Old Dominion, um, Sal, Sal DeViri, uh, Nick Salvadiviri. Um, but he went two picks prior to my pick here in round four. I was hoping that he was going to fall to me. He's made a lot of starts at right tackle. Um, that was someone that would was enticing to me. Um, so I'm going to have to go back to a couple of the other names that I was looking at in round three that did fall to me. I'm going to continue to uh, build the defense here. I'm going to get some depth here um, at defensive end. And I see um, there's a kid here out of uh, Missouri, plays in the SEC. He's battle-tested, playing the highest level of competition week in, week out. Um, you know, we're talking about day three picks here. Um None of these guys that you draft on day three come without weaknesses, you know, but I'm going to select Isaiah McGuire, defensive end from Missouri. He's six foot four, 268 pounds. He ran a four, seven, six in the 40. He does not have that, that really, you know, that, that great first step or any kind of burst off the edge, but you know, so he's not going to beat you with like the suddenness, um, that you see from other uh, defensive ends, but he's got long arms, 82-inch arms. Um, he was productive in his final two years um, at Missouri, playing in the SEC, 13 and a half sacks, 27 tackles for loss. And this guy, is he's not just a pass rusher. I think he could develop into a guy um, that could play against the run. He could be a, a three-down defensive end with some development. And and that could be something that the Raiders need with with Chandler Jones now, you know, entering his year, um, age thirty three season, I believe. So I, I get some depth there um, at defensive end. Who knows what the deal is with Malcolm Kuntz? Um, now into round five, and this is going to be the final round for the mock draft. Uh, three picks here for the Raiders. Um, simulator is currently running. Um, and I'm, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with some of the prospects here as we get into round five and beyond. Um, I will be picking at 141 overall, 144, and uh, and then my last pick for the this exercise here of the mock draft will be number 174. And then at you know, at this point in the draft, I think what I'm trying to do here is I'm looking to find some depth. Um, maybe you know you get lucky. And you nail one that works out. I believe Hunter Renfro was a fifth round pick uh, for the Raiders. He's developed into a pretty good player. It's just much tougher to do that, as you know, on day three. But I, I've still got a couple of positions that I've neglected, and I'm looking to uh, you know fill some some needs with with these remaining picks. Not sure, you know, I'm not sure if that's the best strategy, but that's what I'm doing here on this mock draft. Um, I'm on the clock now, pick 141. Um, my goal here now is to to beef up the trenches. I did take McGuire, a defensive end, but I've I have yet to ta- uh, to to add a defensive tackle. And so I'm looking through the list of names right now and I see the one I like. Um I'm going to go with uh Byron Young out of Alabama. Um Love me some Alabama um, defensive tackles. They have a great tradition of producing, especially as of late, with Quinnen Williams and 
Um, you know, the guys who are with the Redskins now, who, who Deron Payne, and there's another one whose name is slipping my mind right now, but they've got a pretty good rich tradition of, of drafting these um, defensive tackles. Um, Byron Young, and again, depending on whose draft board you're looking at, he could go maybe in round four, maybe in round six. You just never know with these day three guys. But Young does not exactly fit the mold of a Patrick Graham defensive tackle. Graham likes his guys 300 pounds plus, and Young falls just short of that. He was weighed in at his combine at 295, so a little light, um, but Young was a four-year starter at Bama, um, second-team All-American, um, started his career as a defensive end, transitioned to the interior part. So again, I talk about versatility, um, always something that I weigh very heavily. And, uh, you know, I think in round five, that's that's a good good pick there. Um, my next pick here, just three picks later, uh, 144, so we don't have to wait too long for this one. I'm going to grab an offensive lineman here. You know, um, in this scenario, I'm obviously rolling the dice with uh, Jermaine Illuminor as my starting right tackle with Parker and uh, Thayer, Mumford, you know, as the other guys. I'm hoping that comp, that trio of guys can can hold it down at right tackle. But I'm going to bring in another body, some competition, uh, and I'm going to go out to the Pac-12 now uh, to do so, and I'm going to make the pick uh, Brandon Daniels from Utah. Um, he is right around 300 pounds, and what... Um, what I liked about him as I have some information on him here is that he ran a four nine four nine nine forty. So he's an athletic offensive lineman. Um, and I think what's also intriguing about him is that he has played up and down the line at college for, uh, for Utah. He played, he had 17 starts at left guard, 14 starts at left tackle, and he also made 12 starts at right tackle. Okay, so versatility. <laughs> I, I think I'm driving home that point pretty well. Um, I even read that he took snaps as a center in practice. So uh, we're talking about a guy who's a Swiss Army knife. You know, in round five, pick 144, I'll take that. And then my final pick of the draft, um, if you just give me a minute, Simulator is running. Um, so I, I did draft the defensive tackle. I took care of an offensive lineman. I'm gonna go no, I'm gonna grab another offensive lineman here with my final pick. Um, and again, at this point, you know, I'm looking at guys who I'm not familiar with very much, but uh, I'm gonna pick this kid here out of uh, Eastern Michigan, okay? Um, City So is his name. Um, you know, think back a couple years ago, the Raiders drafted a kid out of Eastern Michigan, small school guy, and that has worked out very well for the Raiders. So I'm going to go with another uh, Eastern Michigan guy. He is an older prospect, 25 years old, and uh, coming out of Eastern Michigan, made 44 starts at left guard, also 11 starts at left tackle. Those 11 starts did come way back in the 2018 season. So this we're talking about a kid who is primarily a a guard, 6'4", 323 pounds. City So is the last pick for me in this five-round mock draft. So that does wrap up my, my, my picks. Um, to recap, I feel pretty good about the job that I was able to do here. I grabbed um, two defensive starters at the top of the draft, with Christian Gonzalez and then Drew Sanders at linebacker with my first two picks. Um, I get a tight end who I think has some upside, comes from a a school that has a rich tradition in producing really good high-end tight ends. Um, I get another cornerback in Cameron Mitchell out of Northwestern. Um, Isaiah McGuire, who I think um, could could be a rotational defensive lineman for the Raiders with potential to become a, a starter, a three-down player for the Raiders opposite of Max Crosby. And then I, I was able to add some depth in the trenches with Young from Bama and then the two offensive linemen with my final two picks. Now, I did neglect the quarterback spot, so I'm rolling with uh, 
I'm rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo. I was very, very tempted in round one to go Will Levis, which, you know, that really could have changed the complexion of my entire draft here. But I decided to put an emphasis on the defense. And then I'm going to put a lot of trust and faith in the relationship between Josh McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo that this team can, can you know, that he'll stay healthy, that they'll protect him, and that the Raiders can build a competent defense and, and hopefully be competitive here in the AFC. All right, so that was my five-round mock draft. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Let me know what you guys think. And if you guys want to complete one of your own, please share it with me. I'd love to discuss it, and uh, we can we can get into that. But I am going to step aside now for a break. And when I return, we are going to welcome in our guest this week, Eric Edholm, lead draft writer for NFL.com. A lot to discuss with him. Can't wait to get his thoughts on some of these players and positions in the draft. All of that coming up and more in segment number two of Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. And welcome back, everybody. Just Pod Baby segment number two. I'm your host, Evan Grote. Glad to have you guys tuning in here with me this week. Just one week away from the draft now. We can finally put all of this to rest, all the speculation, all the discussion. Really looking forward to seeing what goes down here in round one. Be sure to tune in for my instant reaction shows next week. Be on the lookout for that following the Raiders pick. Just give me a few minutes to get some of my thoughts out there, and then I will get it posted uh, and out to you guys as soon as I possibly can. But what we're going to do now is we're going to go out to the phone lines and we're going to welcome in our guest this week from NFL.com. Let's say hello to Eric Edholm. Eric is the lead draft writer for NFL.com. And I know he's been a very busy guy uh, the last couple of weeks. He's been making the rounds, several different podcasts and other shows. But uh, we appreciate the time, Eric. And I'm sure that you are very much looking forward to this draft getting started here on Thursday. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be headed down to Kansas City. First time I've been at the draft and. Oh, I'd say about six years, something like that. So that'll be good. And uh, yeah, maybe not the sexiest draft class of all time, but uh, there's always good players and it's going to be fun to see how it all shakes out. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because that is one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, we'll get right into that now. You know, I, I, I you've been covering this, this class and studying this draft class for several months now. Uh, what, what is your overall takeaway from the class uh, maybe some of the strengths of this year's draft draft class, and, and as well as some of maybe the weaknesses. It's an unusual class. I mean, every every group has its own kind of DNA, its own fingerprint, and you know, every year is going to be different. Maybe a little comparable to the to past years at one or two positions, but overall, you know, every class has its own feel. But I don't remember a year where corner, tight end. Pass rusher, you know, I mean, those you know, two of the three would consider premium positions, right? Um, you know, those are really probably the three strongest positions if I had to kind of, you know, peg peg the real strongest ones. Arguably, there's some, some quarterbacks who could have success in this league. You know, we have four who I think are going in the first round. One could could sneak in there as well with Hennon Hooker. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's a little bit above recent years average. Obviously, we had five years back and that class has yielded mixed results so you can't just judge it by that running back is a pretty good group wide receiver i know has been beaten up in the press i would say it's a it's lacking the high end kind of sure thing types but i think there is some depth it's not a terrible group offensive line is a mixed bag at best um you know obviously some players who will have success but not a year where you go in thinking boy i I got to come out with, with two offensive linemen who, who could maybe start for me at some point. I don't know that that's going to be this kind of draft. Maybe, but I don't know. Um, I would say that the, the trickier spots on defense would be interior defensive linemen, probably off the ball linebackers, and then safety. Those are So it's a little stronger on the offensive side on the whole, I would say, but not the kind of you know, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts draft. There's really not those blue chip high end players on that side. Yeah. And you know, uh, I've had several guests on over the past couple of weeks here and, and I'm always interested to, uh, get their opinion on, on the quarterbacks, you know, every, every, each year, 
you know, the quarterbacks just dominate the conversation. Uh, this year seems to be no different. You mentioned the top four quarterbacks. Um, how do you have these guys stacked up? I mean, I, I, I got a little bit of heat from people when I put uh, C.J. Stroud ahead of, of Bryce Young the other day. The biggest reason is, you know, if you ask me right now who would I take in a, in a one-game you know, setting or something like that, I would probably pick Bryce Young. I think he's a tremendous playmaker. I really do. Uh, and maybe I'm making too big a deal out of it, but at that weight, you know, 185 pounds playing weight, I know he weighed in at 190, whatever, but it's not the, the weight he was playing at the end of last season. Can he hold up for 17 games and do it year after year? I mean, that's really tough. He's got special qualities to him. I just worry about how much he's going to be available and durable and things like that. Now, Stroud, I like a lot. I think he's a notch ahead of Levis and Richardson, who both have exciting potential. Um, but, you know, Stroud's accuracy, there's been this whole, you know, debate about how much the S2 test means. And it's a, you know, it's a test given by NFL teams to, to kind of, you know, but to see how fast their reaction skills are and how, you know, how quick those synapses are firing and things like that. And Stroud didn't test well at all in that. And so there is this question of, you know, this thing's only been used five, six years. How much stock do we put into it? How much do we really look at this number and say, boy, that, that's worrisome because his tape looks good. He's pretty accurate. He flashed a little bit of athleticism here and there. Uh, he's got some real admirable qualities. Uh, so it's interesting. And Levis is complicated. I like him a little more than other people seem to, but I think he's going high in this draft. He's going to be a top five pick, I, I, I believe. And he's got some toughness. He's got confidence. He's got an arm and enough athleticism to, to get by at the position. So, you know, is that more appealing than Anthony Richardson? Small sample size, not even 21 years old, unbelievable physical skills you know, accuracy that makes you shake your head sometimes. Sometimes it looks okay. It looks, sometimes it looks great, but just a whole host of questions. You have to have a plan for him and you have to feel like you're confident in your quarterback developing skills and, you know, don't, don't expect uh 12 win seasons out of him right away. Are, are you buying, you know, we're in, we're in the, the, the seats part of the, the draft season where the rumors are coming, you know, fast and furious. Uh, the latest one now is that, you mentioned Will Levis. You think he's going to be a top five pick. Um, I'm not sure if that's the universal thought, but I mean, now according to DraftKings, they have him um, w- with the best odds to go number two uh, to the Texans. He jumped C.J. Stroud, who for many weeks I, I thought, and, and I think other people thought that C.J. Stroud was was going to go number one overall. That's kind of shifted, and it does look like Bryce Young will be the top pick, but what do you make of all of this, and are you buying you know, any of these draft rumors that we're hearing right now? Yeah, I am. I mean, not all of them, of course, but I think with the Texans, they're, they're either going to go with Levis or one of the pass rushers, Will, Will Anderson, uh, Tyree Wilson. Um, I just don't know which way they're going to go. They've been pretty tight-lipped about it. I, I think what the reality that may be setting in for them is that Okay, let's say you do go Will Anderson at two, right? Bryce Young first, Will Anderson two. Bama fans are pumped, right? We're, we're now at the third pick, which is a trade-up spot. And you have teams like the Raiders, and you have teams like the Titans kind of lying in the weeds, certainly the Colts at four, all who potentially could take a quarterback before they select again at number 12. If you want Levis, you better come up hard and fast to number three and get him. I mean – that's the way it ultimately could go down. Houston has 12 picks. They could just say, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at Arizona. Arizona needs the picks. They need the, the players, the talent. They have a lot of need spots. Maybe they'd do it. Maybe they'd move all the way down to 12. I mean, that's one way of achieving it. Short of that, if they're not fans of Anthony Richardson or don't feel like Stroud is going to fall enough to, to where they can get him, I mean, I, it doesn't sound like they like him, so I don't know why we you know, project trading for him. But, again, just thinking maybe they would feel better taking him at 10 than at uh, you know, somewhere a little higher. So that's, that's the dilemma. You know, if you get the quarterback first, you may not get the pass rusher at 12 you love, but that's an easier thing to kind of fill the void for. You can find sources of pass rush 
you know, even if some teams have difficulty doing it. So quarterback to me is just the higher priority position. You're in the, you know, the, the second chair there. And I, I just think that's how I would do it. But, you know, like, look at the Giants. I, a lot of people criticize them taking Daniel Jones at six when they had number 17. But in their minds, the quarterback was most important. It was an odd way to, you know, look, it hasn't been perfect, but they, I think they went about it the right way when they did. So it's, it's sort of a similar situation here in some respects. We are chatting with the uh, lead draft writer for NFL.com, Eric Edholm, for uh, helping us out breaking down this upcoming NFL draft. And, and Eric, you know, I, I think it was interesting what you just said there about, you know, kind of valuing the quarterback position, you know, higher than others. And I and I agree with you. This it's a quarterback league, and, and you got to have one. In my opinion of it, anyways, is you you got to have a really good one to win. I mean, of course, you need to have a competent defense and offensive line and those types of things. But it all starts with the quarterback. So that kind of leads me to my next uh, question that I have for you. You know, Raiders general manager, Dave Ziegler, he spoke with, with the media on Friday. And one of the questions that he was asked about was whether or not he felt pressure to, to go ahead and draft a quarterback with that, you know, round one pick, whether it was to trade up into that third spot, possibly with, with Arizona or, or sit tight at seven, because they did go out and sign Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason, a quarterback who they're familiar with, who Dave Zeke, or uh, excuse me, Josh McDaniels has worked with. You know, his response to that question pretty much was that, you know, all options are on the table. So, h- how do you feel about that? Um, how should the Raiders prioritize, um, you know, the, the quarterback position in this year's draft at pick number seven or possibly trading up? I think they're they're very much candidates. They haven't hidden the fact. I don't think there's a smokescreen here because what are they trying to, uh, you know, who are they trying to fool here? I don't know. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It, they're not in a situation where where, you know, you would assume okay, they're just trying to mess with people and and get them to think I, it's possible they have a defensive player, a corner, or whoever that they just love, and are trying to, you know, kind of get everybody off that trail by talking up the quarterbacks because as you said, it's the it's the all important position. It's what we spend probably 50% of our time talking about as analysts and writers and whoever and podcast hosts. And I mean, you know, that position more than any other in any sport, I think, you know, demand, you know, commands the attention uh, of media. And so it's possible there's, there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, shiny object thing going on here, but I think they're in. I think they, you know, you think about what Garoppolo's deal was, it essentially boils down to one year. We know his injury history. I'm not trying to besmirch Jimmy because he's won a ton of football games, as everybody knows. But, um, you know, he's there for a reason. He's a bridge guy. I mean, he, that's how I viewed that contract once I saw the details and, you know, just knowing kind of his history, where he's at in his career. Maybe it's a two-year thing, right? You get somebody who doesn't play up the snuff. If you do draft a quarterback high, mid, low, wherever, okay, then then he rides it out a little longer. Than, that's, that's what's good about that contract is that, you know, they can get out from it if they need to, but they can also stick with it a couple of years if there's a slower developing prospect or they don't find somebody they like in this class. But I think there are enough – possibilities for them out there especially if Stroud starts slipping a little bit getting closer getting within range of that number seven pick jump to three jump to five you know Seattle's a team that'll that'll move down as well may not cost them an arm and a leg so if you look at it through that lens and you don't have designs on picking in the top five next year then then maybe that's an approach that, that they should consider yeah and that's that's one of the things I talked about earlier in the show is that you know, how often are you picking, you know, top seven in the draft? And and so you can't just assume that, you know, you're going to be in position because a lot of the fans are like, oh, just, you know, take a, take a defensive player this year and go all in for, for Caleb Williams or, or Drake May next year. Well, you, you don't know how that's going to work out. You don't know which position you're going to be in, ne- you know, in next year's draft. So I, I do think you have to focus on... You know, you're in the top seven. You get some value there at quarterback. You, you might want to take advantage of that. But um, if they don't decide to go quarterback, you mentioned maybe uh, a defensive player. 
cornerback obviously is a, a huge need for this team as well. And depending on which mock draft uh, you you know you're reading out there, um, I, I have seen two cornerbacks go to the Raiders. Devin uh, Witherspoon from Illinois and Christian Gonzalez seem to be two common names right now. Which one of those players do you like better, and why? Different players. Interesting, you know, comparing the two because. With Witherspoon, you have an experienced four-year guy, had some injuries uh, that have held him back a little, but um, really we're talking about a 5'11", 183-ish pound corner. Uh, and, you know, that, that was probably his pro day weight. I mean, again, like we were talking about with Bryce Young, did they play lighter? Possibly. But you wouldn't know it watching him. I mean, he, he's a bulldog. He plays like he's 6'2 and, and 215. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing, and he's – you know, it's not blessed with amazing speed, but he showed enough at his workout. He wasn't able to go the pro day, had a workout later, ran in the four fours. That was enough. That's all people wanted to see. Could you, you know, cause if you're a smaller corner and you lose a step and all of a sudden you're a four five or mid four five guy, you're pretty much a zone corner at that point. I mean, that, that's, that's the tough part. So they feel like he can run. He's got a tenacious style. He's very aggressive in run support. He's physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, a battler, and he's shown a little more nose for the ball last year. I mean, that was a big step for him. I think was some people would say, hey, good player, but let's see a little playmaking now. Well, he did it, and Lovey Smith raved about him. Obviously, Lovey knows DBs very well. You know, they, they put him in on some tough assignments, and he handled it well. Gonzalez spent time at Colorado, moved to Oregon, you know, started slowly last year. There was there was some buzz about him early in the season going into the year. Struggled a little bit early on. The Georgia game was a little tough. But about the fifth game or so, I felt like he really settled in, went back and played Colorado, and <laughs> they they regretted it. Let's put it that way. He had a fantastic game. And, you know, just from then on, the course of the season, and you can look back at his Colorado tape, and it's and it's impressive. I mean, he's a glider. He moves very smoothly and looks very natural playing the position. He's much bigger than Witherspoon. You know, it's it's apples to kumquats. You know, they're totally <laughs> different guys. I think I like Witherspoon a hair better, but I also acknowledge that, you know, bigger corners, as long as they can run, tend to have a little bit more success and longevity in this league. Eric, uh, at home, lead writer, uh, draft writer for NFL.com is our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. I got one more for you, Eric, before I get you out of here. Um, again, we're going to kind of wrap this up with some Raiders specific stuff here. Ultimately, you know, sure. we, we can't really assess a, a draft class until, you know, two or three years down the road. You got to give some time to develop and, and see it through. But when you look at the, the current makeup of the Raiders roster and you consider who they're chasing in the AFC West. I mean, you got the Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, um, and, and you got the, the Chargers who who finally made the playoffs last year. In your opinion, what is it that the Raiders need to accomplish in the draft? Is, is it a quarterback of the future? Do they need to, you know, rebuild in the trenches, add some players to the defense? What should be the, the, the goal here uh, for Las Vegas? If they have a quarterback they like, and that's, I know it sounds elementary to say, <laughs> to say that, right? Of course they have to like him. But when I say like, what I really mean is believe in. I mean, that, that's really what we're talking about here. If they have somebody that they say, yes, we can see this guy starting for us for the next five years or whatever, then I think they have to go for him. As you mentioned, you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes. You assume that Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to figure it out at some point, right? I mean, he's a talented kid, and they've got some, some other good players out there. I mean, you know, we know their history. We know they, they, they tend to come up short when it matters most. But still, eventually that, that narrative will die at some point, I think. So, um, obviously, there's some tough sledding there. And that's, that's really the biggest thing, what you're, what you're thinking about is – you know, are we are we trying to beat the, 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 the Chiefs next year or are we trying to build up a roster over some length of time, probably multiple seasons, to where we can compete on a fairly even level with them? I mean, look, you know, obviously they played them tough last year, right? I mean, it's not like you can't beat them in a one-game setting. It's more about the big picture. And the AFC in general is loaded right now. I mean, it's hard to make the playoffs in the AFC. So from that perspective – you, you've got to think as much high-end talent as possible. Quarterback should be in play if your guy is there. And 
don't be afraid to take somebody who's a little bit of a project and work on them a little, because this is going to be a, a multi-year process before everything kind of gets figured out. So I think Josh feels like he has job security, at least for another year. And I think Dave obviously is comfortable in his position as well. So I would imagine they're thinking multiple years and a little bit more long-term vision on this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Very well said. Eric Edholm, everyone from NFL.com, lead draft writer. Go out there and follow Eric on Twitter. That's at Eric underscore Edholm. Uh, really great follow, great analysis, and, and we appreciate the time. Enjoy Kansas City next week and, and enjoy the draft. Try to get some rest after this draft's over, okay? I know you've been working hard. Yeah, I'll get some barbecue, do the draft, and then come home and sleep for two or three days. But yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great weekend and get ready for next week. All right, great stuff there from our guest, Eric Edholm. And uh, he's buying some of these draft rumors. You know, I always think you can't believe anything you're hearing this time of year, but he does believe that the Texans are serious when they say, or the rumors say, that they're interested in possibly going with a a Will Anderson or a Tyree Wilson uh, and and not making C.J. Stroud the pick or even a Will Levis. So that would make things really, really interesting. And I think based on what I've been reading out there on Twitter from the fans, some of the people that I talk to, Scott Gilbranson, Mo Moten, you know, we like to bounce ideas off of each other. If the Raiders had an opportunity to trade up into pick number three to get a C.J. Stroud, I think that would be something that would really excite the fan base. I would be happy with that. Um, I really like Stroud. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. He does seem to be slipping a little bit right now. We'll see how it all goes down next week. Really looking forward to it. Remember, tune in. My instant reaction show uh, will be available for you following the Raiders pick. But that is going to do it here for this week's show. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Please follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 if you don't already do so. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, doesn't matter which platform I'm on, all of them, please subscribe to the show. All right, guys, hope everybody enjoys the weekend. And until the next time, I am your host, Evan Grote, and as always, just win, baby.